welcome to Famous One-Liners of History, the podcast where we discuss and analyze some of our favorite quotes. This episode is brought to you by the 21st Century Media Studies class at North Carolina School of Science and Math. In this episode of Famous One-Liners of History, we will be discussing the last words of John Spinkelink, a murderer who received capital punishment in the late 1970s. First, we are going to dive into the background of how Spinkelink got to his final destination. John Arthur Spinkelink was born on March 29, 1949 in Lamars, Iowa. He was a drifter who was convicted in California for armed robbery. He had been sentenced to five years to life for his crime. Spinkelink was sent to Slack Canyon Conservation Camp to serve his sentence. Soon after his arrival at the prison, he escaped and began his escape journey. On February 4, 1973, while traveling to the Midwest, Spinkelick picked up a hitchhiker. This hitchhiker was Joseph J. Seismankiewicz. Okay, what I don't understand is why this man, as an escaped convict, would go out and pick up a hitchhiker. If I was an escaped convict, I would try to be, like, as anonymous and, like, low-key as I could, but no. He goes and picks up a hitchhiker and thinks, you know what, this is a good idea. Seismankiewicz, like Spinelik, had a criminal record and was a heavy drinker. During their travels, Spinelik learned of Seismankiewicz's vicious tendencies. Seismankiewicz forced Spinelik to have homosexual relations with him, played Russian roulette with Spinelik, and boasted of killing a fellow inmate while in prison. After checking into a motel in Tallahassee, Spinelik discovered that Seismankiewicz had relieved him of his cash reserves. Spinkelick concluded that it would be wise to continue his jersey without Samankowitz. Yeah, good thinking there, bud. Someone who basically plays a game of chance of shooting you, boasts about killing other people, and takes all your money would definitely put a damper in your plans for your journey. Maybe you should continue without him. After having his car washed, Spinkelik was on his way to return to the motel to remove his personal belongings and to force Samankiewicz to return the money he stole. On his return to the motel, he picked up another hitchhiker, Frank Broom. Spinkelik agreed to take Broom as far as New Orleans. Again with the whole hitchhiker thing. You're a convicted felon, and you're bringing more people into your journey. You're trying not to get caught. Bringing more people in is not helping your case. The two went back to the hotel, and according to Spinkelick's testimony, he told Broom this in the car. If you don't mind waiting a little ways from the motel, I think it would be better because there's another guy in the motel room that is pretty drunk. He's going to be mad because I was gone this long. He did not tell Broom about Samankowicz taking and hiding his money. Spinkelick dropped Broom off a little ways from the motel and told him the location of the room in case he heard a gunshot. If Broom had an ounce of common sense at all... He should have been trying to get away from him. This guy who was supposed to be driving you to New Orleans just said something about if you hear a gunshot and then he leaves you far away from the motel where he is going. You'd think maybe he'd like maybe Broom would try to find another ride, but no. He decides to stay with him instead of trying to find another form of transportation. Spinkelink had Simankowicz's gun and intended to scare Simankowicz with it. 
if he tried to cause trouble with Spinkalix's leaving. Spinkalix then told a cover story to the hotel proprietor, paid for an extra day, and then left with Broom. Less than one week later, Spinkalink was in custody along with two others for suspicion of armed robbery. One of the other suspects was another hitchhiker, John Moore, who had been picked up in Texas by Spinkalink and Broom, who were under aliases Derek and Frank, respectively. The three leased an apartment together where Moore signed as the uncle to Derek and Frank. Who in their right mind would pick up two hitchhikers and then lease an apartment together almost immediately? And again, Spinelik is a felon and is bringing all these loose ends into his plan and not even thinking about getting caught. John Moore verbally gave the authorities permission to search the apartment and gave them the key. Upon searching the apartment, they discovered an intoxicated broom who was placed under arrest for suspicion of armed robbery and the gun that was later linked to Simankowicz's death. Okay, first things first. Thank God Moore had some common sense, unlike Broom. Spinkalink was suspicious from the very beginning. And I don't know how Broom just, like, let it slide and didn't say anything. Secondly, who hides the murder weapon in your apartment? Your car and your apartment are, like, one of the two places that the police are going to check if they think you are suspicious. I know Spinelik wasn't planning to shoot Sidemanskowitz. He should have thought through the hiding of the murder weapon better than he did. After Spinelik and Broom were arrested in California, they were returned to Florida and tried for first-degree murder. According to police reports, Spinelik shot Sidemanskowitz two times, once in the head just behind the ear and a second time in the back. Spinkalik claimed that he shot Simankowicz in self-defense and that he forced sexual relations on him earlier and forced him to play Russian roulette. In another instance, Spinkalik claimed that the gun went off accidentally during a fight between the two. Why would Spinkalik backtrack in court knowing that they literally have a transcript of what every single person says and he still thinks to himself, Hey, let me get them to believe something different than what I said moments before, and they'll believe it. No! This and the whole hitchhiker mistake is why he got caught. He just, he wasn't thinking the whole thing through. The jury returned a verdict of guilty as to Spinklick and not guilty as to Broom. After a subsequent mitigation trial, the jury brought in its advisory verdict recommending that the court impose a death sentence on Spinkalik. The trial judge, having considered this advisory verdict, sentenced Spinkalik to death, filing the appropriate findings of facts. Spinkalik was offered a chance to admit to second-degree murder and receive a life sentence, but he refused. How dumb is this guy? He was basically handed a second chance and was like, nah, I'll pass. In 1977, Governor Reuben O'Donovan Eskew signed his first death warrant, but the court stayed the execution. In 1979, the new governor of Florida, Bob Graham, signed the second and final death warrant. Graham signed the death warrant despite Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall, who issued a stay. Spinkling was the first murderer executed in Florida and the second nationwide following the reinstatement of capital punishment in 1976. Unlike the first person who received capital punishment after reinstatement, Spinkling contested his execution to the end. 
Okay, Spengelik will contest to his execution until the moment he dies. But when he was given a chance to prove his innocence, he said no. Interesting. On May 25, 1979, Spinkelink was executed by electric chair in Stark, Florida. Although Spinkelink was convicted of murder and received capital punishment, he is most known for his last words, quote, capital punishment, then without the capital, get the punishment, unquote. Imagine being a death row inmate and putting thought and effort into what your final words will be in saying this. Other capital punishment receivers had, like, really cool final, final last words, like, you suck, I'll be back, and, and like, stuff of that nature. But no, Spinkelick was like, capital punishment, then without the capital, get the punishment. Despite his last words not being as hardcore as others, his final words are insightful to the criminal justice system. People who are wealthy are able to mitigate their crimes by bribing the system. Spinkelick nodded to this fact with his final words and made a lasting impression that made people think about what he said in his final seconds. That's it for this episode. A huge thank you from the NCSSM 21st Century Media Studies class. Come back next time for another one-liner from history.